Welcome to Trust the Journey. I'm Melanie Curtis. And I'm Jason Maledsky. Our mission is to live, laugh, love, and learn together with you. We're here to create conscious connections, to grow and contribute through our practice of openness, honesty, vulnerability, humility, and trust. Trusting the entire journey. Always, yes. On the internet, everyone, we are at trustthejourney.today. That's where you can join us in our Trust the Journey family by donating on Patreon at any level. That gets you into a private and expanded conversation with us where we open it up with you, with the family. So please join us there, trustthejourney.today. Right on, team. Let's do this. Thank you guys so much for being with us. Here we go. (laughs) All right, guys. In this episode, we're talking about teams. We're talking about the power and the benefits of working in teams, challenges, the growth, and the good stuff that we really can only find in these committed, collaborative environments and relationships. Obviously, we have a team here, and so we just thought, you know what? This is a good topic. Let's dive into it. Well, you know, I'll go straight ahead and jump on that. The It's become more and more and more apparent to me over the years, no matter which uh, environment I found myself working in, that there's the power of working in a group is exponentially outweighs working as an individual. Yep, right? 100%. I mean, yeah. I, I've, I've been the bottleneck in my business many times. I've been the bottleneck in my life many times. And that I mean that by saying, if you don't invite other people in to help you, if you don't ask for help, or if you don't connect with the the abilities and you know what I mean like that stuff it's just you can we can only do so much alone you know it's it's not to be going directly to that quote but that is so so true in my experience is we can really only do so much alone and we can do so much more together and we, we've touched on this in the past I know in some previous episodes we've we've um, you know talked about the idea a little bit but I think in this episode, I really would hope that we would take a little bit of a historical look at our own lives and our own team experiences and the the vast variety of different types of teams and how they've played in our favor, where the challenges have been, when it's become time to recognize that a team comes to an end Mm -hmm. or that it's time for a new team to start. And um, yeah, just taking a little bit of a... A look back and, and using that as a kicking point as a starter's block to go oh, yeah what do I want to do going forward what do I want to put into my life coming up in the next say one to three months or six months to a year what's what's my now goals for what I want to start engaging more encouraging you know make motivating into action yeah yeah it's almost overwhelming in terms of how where to even start You know what I mean? I liked the, in our prep, guys, we talked about, okay, what are lessons? What are do's? What are don'ts? What are positives? What are negatives? And sort of giving ourselves that a little bit of a framework to think about this topic, to come to today's episode with some thoughts. 
And so I think I, I jotted stuff down and I'm like, oh gosh, it's almost like the extremes of both stick out to me. As in, there are some clear lessons on what to do and there are some clear lessons on what not to do and who not to be on a team with. You know what I mean? And it's hard to even, it, it's not always the most fun thing to talk about, but you know what? Some of my team experiences in the past have been both the most transformative and best of my life, as in it has delivered me, it's an opportunity to hugely grow as a person. It's an opportunity to make some of the best friendships and relationships of your life. And it is also an environment where it can be super challenging if you're in a committed environment with someone you realize is not aligned, that you don't want to be on a team with, that doesn't hold the same values, that maybe is toxic in whatever way. And those those experiences are some of the most challenging I've had in my life as well. You want to start there? I mean, sure. for me, when when I started thinking about this topic, I started going back through my own experiences in life. And I go, the first team that we're a part of is our family, right? It's the one we're born into. We don't get, we don't choose into it. We don't get the option of picking our teammates, you know, because they have, say, values aligned or have the same goals or mission or whatever it might be to find the same things fun. <laughs> right. We just, we're just born into it. And hopefully, you know, we get a lucky hand and we get a good set of teammates. And, you know, sometimes we do and sometimes we don't, you know. Yeah, I think back to my skydiving team. So, for example, I'll start at my at my skydiving teams in terms of because family. Yeah, it's we can't choose it. it. I would agree. It's also I don't necessarily think of that when I'm thinking of this particular topic because I'm thinking more of it in the zone of what are goals that we have that we then can only achieve if we are a part of this collaborative, committed team situation. Obviously, I, I agree with you that family is is a team. I'm more like saying, okay, if I were as a you know f functioning adult and I'm in my life and I'm making choices and I decide to enter into a committed environment with other people with a shared goal or mission, that's sort of what I'm thinking about. Um, I hear you. I hear you. But for me, I, I definitely have the experience of being involved in teams that weren't necessarily my chosen ones as ones that are guiding me towards how I pick the teams as an adult that I'm going to choose into. Yeah, yeah, and fair. I, absolutely. As no, well as no relationships. Doubt. Yeah. You know, like the, I think of relationships as teams as well. I mean, you're you're picking a best friend, a partner, you know, a teammate that you're going to be tackling life with tackling emotions tackling you know the the human experience side by side with and that team requires a hell of a lot of work right? <laughs> yeah absolutely. and you got to pick there's so many variables in choosing that teammate right yeah yeah so i think I of every relationship as a team yeah agreed 100 percent agreed i 1000 percent agree actually that thousand yeah <laughs> i super invite i 1000 percent agree <laughs> Yeah. No, it is true. I do. I believe that that is absolutely true. That strongly relationships. <laughs> what? I strongly encourage super, you. Super, super invite, strongly encourage, 1000% agree. 
hey, I need to make it clear. I mean, we're in an audio situation. They can't see my 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 arms going up, my my hands <laughs> at the top of the screen. Yeah. Um, no, but I do. I agree absolutely that relationships, whatever form, in whatever form, whether it's friendship, love relationship, definitely, uh, absolutely, the frame of teamwork, I think, is how I approach those personally. Yeah. So, okay, let's jump into the skydiving world because that's where a lot of our history with directly related to this as a modern, as a, you know, as a developed concept yep. as teams. Yep. Where we, What was your first one? Well, I mean, I didn't write down, honestly, specifics. I wrote down more of the bigger picture things of what I would, what I learned. But I mean, what I would start with is for me, as a younger person, I really struggled with conflict, navigating conflict. Like I would cry very easily. I was very afraid of conflict. And so one of the first things that sticks out to me and what I got and how I grew as uh, being a part of a team is having a structure for communication, having a structure and a foundation laid and agreed upon and then executed with integrity to help us work through challenges. So that experience, and this is on all of my skydiving teams, it's uh, very apparent to me how this really helped me learn how that I could communicate through conflict with other people and it would be okay. Yeah, I mean, it sounds very basic, but for someone sort of in the position currently in their life of being sort of triggered very easily by conflict or the idea of being in a conflict situation makes them very anxious or upset for maybe logical or illogical or conscious or unconscious reasons, for me, it was hugely beneficial to be in a long-term committed environment around a goal that I was very, very passionate about, in this case, skydiving teams and doing four-way formation skydiving freefall competition. That was my original sort of skydiving team uh, efforts. And I was so committed to those goals that I was willing to be a part of and face and challenge those parts of myself that were not at a place yet in my personal development and evolution and healing to be able to do that very well. You know what I mean? Many a past the rock, and I bring up past the rock because that's part of the communication setup that a lot of skydiving teams use. Many a past the rock, I cried my eyes out because I was working through and starting to learn that conflict conversations were okay, that I could do them, that people were going to hear me and not and respond in a favorable, positive, supportive, loving way. The, I feel like the difference between the skydiving team, at least from my perspective, and it sounds like it's similar to yours as well, and I would think it's this pretty much the same kind of experience for most participants, is that majority of teams as we're younger people children you know you're talking like basketball hockey football softball these are larger groups of people you know you're talking 15 20 plus people so it's a pretty big group and you really have one larger voice which is the coach 
or the assistant coach that's guiding the project. And when you move towards something more like a skydiving team, which is a lot more reflective of most of the teams that we work in in our lives and personal or professional settings is it's a smaller group, three, four, five people who have a similar objective. They're trying to get a project accomplished. We're trying to, you know, do work together and we don't have the coach most of the time. Most of the time you're on your own trying to figure it out. And um, that your voice has an influence and has a say, but it's pretty well equal balance to everybody else versus say like the large softball team, you really like everybody's voice is below the coaches and the coach really is like the one leading the charge kind of thing. So I feel like there's a maturity shift when you step into a team where everybody has equal leadership um, potential or say in in the situation or in, in the goals of the group. Definitely. Oh, yeah, definitely. Yeah, if I reflect on sports teams that I was on as a young person, yeah, it's it's interesting that that conversation about leadership and how we are quote unquote leading no matter what role we are in, whether we are in the leadership role, quote unquote, or whether we are simply being ourselves, because I can look at that and I can go, yeah, I showed up pretty much as a leader in those team environments, even when I wasn't positioned as such, and I don't mean it like I was directing people and telling people what to do per se, but meaning leading energetically and leading uh, in this way of fun and enjoying the process and stuff like that. Like that's one of the biggest lessons I wrote as well is teams can be so hard and so challenging and rigorous. And this is what I reflect on my skydiving teams as well in this part of the share because it takes a freaking ton to get up at the crack of dawn, to go, to jump all day long, to do back-to-back skydiving training, to pack for yourself, to you know make money, to spend it, to have the banana and the peanut butter in between loads, to do the debrief, like, to do the pass the rocks, to do all of that, that is like theoretically perceptibly difficult as in it requires a lot of energy. And and one of the main, main, main things that sticks out to me in all of my team experience, whether I was a, a member of the team or whether I was in leadership or whether I was player coaching a skydiving team with younger jumpers, that type of thing, Fun and excellence are not mutually exclusive. I actually contest that fun magnifies the results of a team. When we are willing and we can enjoy the process, because this is in conjunction with fierce commitment to whatever goal the team has, right? We are committed to this level of training, this execution of our plan, of our physical efforts, of our communication format, of all of the things that we agree upon as our team process and plan and goal, mission, that we're committed to that no matter what. That's an unshakable thing, theoretically. As such, when we allow ourselves to have fun, to enjoy that process, it tends to loosen people up and tends to help us just be more at ease, which then tends to elevate the results of the team. And if I reflect on that, 
I see that in even my younger days as a young person on a soccer team or a softball team or whatever, I always was that person who was genuinely aiming to enjoy it. And when I wasn't, I always did worse. So, I mean, I don't know about you, about you, but tell me about whether or not you had this similar type of experience. But for me, the first few teams that I was involved in were pickup teams. Mm. They weren't highly structured groups. They were just random people who kind of all put their hand up to say, yeah, I'd like to participate. Right. And the goal was very simple participation at an event. Say, you know, like my first pickup team was a four-way team that decided to do a practice jump the day before the meet, you know, and just be a participant in in a competition without any previous competition experience, without any coaching, without any long-term goals. Yep. So I hear you describing these goals and I'm like, well, that's a lot further ahead than I was willing to go yeah. when I was putting my toe in the water, you know, when I'm just like, how about I just participate and see what it's like to have this experience at all. Never mind, try and become anything or try to become values aligned. How about values aligned equals let's participate and finish the event tomorrow. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Oh yeah, my first four-way team was luckily, <laughs> I say luckily, luckily somebody couldn't make it and I got to fill in on yep. this team. And uh, I, you'll laugh, surely the, it, the switch was flipped for me in that regard. It, it was like, as soon as I knew that a team experience of an elevated nature was available, I was on a fucking mission to have that experience. And that lasted oh, oh, well over a decade and blah, blah, blah. But you know what I mean? But, but yeah, it's, it definitely started in just the idea of, oh, oh, this is a thing. Oh, we could care about what this formation looks like and what this move is between this formation and that formation. And that's a thing. Oh, my God. Yeah, I care about block six and how to do that vertically. Like there are so many details, right? For non-skydivers listening, they won't know what the heck we're talking about. But it's that nuance of being so wildly into each detail and being so excited that that was a thing that other people were into as well made me just go, I want to do that and I want to do that in a fierce way. And for skydiving, it was very much being a part of a team that had those shared goals. Like I was never that inspired to just jump and, you know, whatever. I'm inspired to do that because I had those other fierce goals, right? But I don't think I would have been as psyched if I didn't have a, a team goal that I could see measured progress and I had these relational bonds building in, in conjunction. See, I never cared about block six. <laughs> you know, but I'm telling you what, you know, we didn't even call it block six back then. It was like zigzag marquee or something like that. Okay. Because I don't right. even remember the names of the blocks and the numbers of the blocks anymore. But uh, totally. the, when I think about it, even if I put myself back in, like I also did the same as you. I had four-way formation skydiving teams. I was on four or five different ones through the first part of my five years in skydiving or so. And when I look back at it now and I take a, a summary review of what was actually, what did I, what was fun? 
what did I get value out of? I liked being in a group where I had people who were more experienced than me, who are more skillful than me, who had the ability to teach me things, or I could not even then I could just learn from them. So when I really take it down to its core essence of what was it was, I liked learning. I liked learning about block six. I didn't care about block six, but I liked the process of learning. And I liked the process of getting better at something, of improvement, about going, okay, this is how well I can execute this little silly dance move in the sky right now, which is very poor. And now <laughs> if I practice it with these people who've done it a few times more than me, we can now execute it better than we did before. And so that process of learning, of working in a group to better ourselves towards a goal, that's what it starts to really come down to. And I have to say that I love skydiving because it's about the silliest thing you could ever possibly do to put any weight or value on how fast you can, you know, do a four-way two-step zigzag around the sky. Who freaking cares, right? Like you're just swinging each other around the sky and looking at each other and touch hands and then turn around and then touch feet and then turn around and patty cake. And who cares, right? This is stupid. But it's so fun to try to get better at it, right? You're like, I just want to get better at doing the two-step patty cake because it's challenging, because it's hard, and because it forces me to review my own abilities and be honest about them because they're on video. We can see them. And to be honest about yours and for you to review them and be honest about them and the same back and forth enough for us to practice the communication skills that come along with going, okay, I screwed that up, even though I'm in an ego place that really wants to say, I did my best and I really did, the, you know, I thought I did it great. No, I totally screwed it up and I made it worse for you. And you have to be okay with me screwing it up. And I have to be okay with the fact that I screwed it up. And then we need to just accept that that's what happened and get better at communicating that we did our best and try to do better the next time. Right? Oh my God, it is so true. It cauterizes you to any, like the perfectionist nature cannot survive in a team environment, I don't think. Egos go bye-bye. Oh, they do. They must, otherwise the team implodes. Because, I mean, there's been plenty of team experiences like that I've witnessed. I haven't been really a part of any major implosions. I've definitely been a part of major conflicts, but I mean major I mean major implosion I definitely have. And by the way, some of them are connected to my best friendships to this day, by the way. So it's not <laughs> always bad. <laughs> it's more that uh uh I, in skydiving it's happened re- and I'm sure in other areas as well, goodness gracious, where the team doesn't make it to its final goal. It's a final external goal that the team breaks down before that. I think that's definitely relative to egos not going (laughs) bye-bye, to use your language. And uh, yeah, not having that structure and ability to work through those communication and those team dynamics that, and that's the thing that if I coach young people now, I often highlight that because without the management of the team dynamics and the functional non-skydiving part of a team, then the skydiving part of the team is at great risk. So you might make it, you might get to the end, but it won't won't necessarily be as fun or as rewarding or as good in terms of external results if we don't care about those team dynamics and those communicative structures and all of that process operations. 
we learned so much from the debrief process, right? From yeah. the practice of being objectively analytical of our own performance and emotionally unattached to that uh, anal analysis, right? And just being okay to step outside of ourselves and just observe what we did, how it went, and give ourselves an actual critical review of how we performed without being emotionally attached to that performance or that review. And then allowing our, each other to do that for each other and for ourselves and for a whole as one great big unit. And then just observing it and being like, okay, that's how that went. Even though we, we go into it with this huge amount of emotional investment, right? Like we invest in the process before we even start the process. And then the whole time we're there, we're fully vested in the process of emotional engagement because it's the emotional engagement that makes it fun. Fun is an emotion, right? You're experiencing a feeling of pleasure and we're like, why is this fun? Because I like doing it because it's hard, yeah. right? Because I have to work with somebody else who we may or may not be right on the right frequency together. Or we may or may not be always at our very peak performance. And sometimes I can help be the stronger one when somebody else is weak or somebody else can be the stronger one when I'm being weak or sometimes we completely both flail and just crash into each other and then we just crack up or we get real angry at each other and <laughs> pretend like it wasn't okay you know you know exactly <laughs> what I'm talking about right it goes either side sometimes you're just like oh that was hilarious that time you're like you suck you know <laughs> it's so funny that our stuff comes out and this is in any quote-unquote stressful environment Theoretically, in a team environment, when we are working toward a bigger goal or being in communication or in engagement with any other person in something we are working toward that we have not yet achieved or reached or however you want to say that, that brings out our quote unquote stuff. And so I always have said, and, and this is, I, I think, something that I that Craig Girard said once that I never forgot was that being on a team, being on teams makes you a better person because you will have to confront your stuff, right? Me sitting in a past the rock thing crying, it's fine that I have feelings and emotions and, and I'm struggling, that's not the, not the problem. The stuff there for me in just that particular example was fear of conflict. So I got to face that. I got to work through that. And I'm so much better with conflict now. And I credit my experience on Teams as helping me get much, much, much credit to that, to helping me get through that. Similarly, the perfectionist thing that I brought up. You, it's, you, pfft, how many times have I paused the video where I'm upside down and my team is perfectly presented to the relative wind? It's happened a lot. You know, it's just perfectionism cannot, you have to really embrace and enjoy that process of learning, as you said, and like, be like, fuck, there I am upside down again. Shit. If that isn't a metaphor, I don't know what is. You know, you talk about um, managing conflict. I, one of the, I would say, potentially the greatest value that I have gained as a member of teams for 25 years in at least in this sport discipline is communication communication skills the practice of talking to each other and sharing what we're 
feeling, struggling with, experiencing what 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 the uh, what challenges we're receiving from another person's communication style or or what they're putting out or just circumstances, external things, internal things, just communication. So there the, here's an example for you that I find very it's becoming very informative to me is that not everybody has this experience of 25 years of being in a place where communication is forced due to it being mandatory. It's, it's necessary to communicate or it implodes, right? Like you, you either communicate and you get it out and you figure it out and you practice being in a group and having a whole bunch of different people with different feelings and different opinions, or you don't. And if you don't, you just end up hating each other and it all falls falls in on itself and Mm -hmm. you end up crumbling, right? Mm -hmm. But not everybody has this experience. And so now when I find myself working in groups uh, on projects that are teams, right? Like we got a team project, we're doing something and I start to dive into like a debrief and people are looking at me like, this blank blank stare, open mouth, like, how dare you criticize what I've done? And I'm like, I'm not being critical. I'm just observing, you know, what's happened for each of us here and and, and, and analyzing it. And it's it's a shocker for a lot of people, right? But I feel like it's been such a blessing in our lives to have had the opportunity to learn this process of debrief, right? Yes. We had a great experience a little while ago, a few years back. I was working with Brian Vosher. Um, he's one of my team, former teammates, uh, legacy teammate on PD Factory team, and he's one of my business partners and teammates at Flight One. And he, uh, he and I partnered up. Well, we partnered up with Flight One when he owned the Safe Flight School in Europe, and we have Flight One in USA. And when we joined the teams together to form Flight One. Um, worldwide it took a lot of like finagling the little pieces together right and we did this great project where we're um, educating a lot of our instructors about how the debrief process can work in a really practiced and logical and thought out way so it's not just kind of getting ping-ponged around the room or just tossed around so that it follows a, a strict process in order for it to be respectful for everybody involved and so that everybody gets a chance to be to be heard and everybody gets a chance to listen and it goes around the room systematically. And that way it doesn't ever feel one-sided or, you know, whoever has the loudest voice, you know, having the most impact or whoever's the most assertive, whatever the situation might be. And the example was the Red Devils. It's the the British uh, aerobatic team, the national um, aerobatic aviators, right? They're like the Blue Angels over in in UK, and they they we basically watch them break down one of their debrief processes, you know. And the pilot, you know, starts off and goes through his review. He's like, "All right, well, we lined up, we took off, we did this, we did this. This went." great but this part right here we had a little fumble there was a you know communication issue or whatever got up to here we executed point one, point two, and on point three there was a little gap and you know we just basically run through the whole process and it was the reason why i'm going down this this ramble is to inform us the same thing that brian really wanted to inform us in that um in that learning session was that the very best 
out there who do the things that are just extraordinary, the teams of people that work together to create things that make you go, wow, that's amazing. How much practice did they have to do? How much choreography, how much years and years of experience come together? They use these process of debrief for their team in order to make sure that risk is averted, that emotions don't get tangled up in this you know life and death situation which in you know when an aerobatic aircraft team it's actually flying planes together but you know if you work on a conveyor belt assembly somewhere and that thing you know potentially fails and it falls on somebody it's just as much risk involved in it as if you're flying airplanes together so the bigger picture piece of it is learning to observe these processes done well by teams of people that have been doing them for a long time in order to then take that observation and apply it to our circumstances so that we can practice it. Yeah. And now I'm gonna do one more segue in that from our experience. Great. That, you know, when we start off as beginner skydivers and we start doing our first pickup team or our, you know, we, we organize this group like, hey, let's do a training camp together or whatever. We need to then pick up this structure of how to debrief from a more experienced person, a coach or a player coach or somebody that we can get the example from. And when we find ourselves inside of a working space where we reach the umbrella of our environment, you know, like, okay, well, we're the leaders in this environment. Who do we look to next for more guidance, for more coaching, for more examples of how to better our process? We don't have to stay within our wheelhouse, you know, and the example of using the Red Devils aviation team, acrobatic team, as an example of how to run a debrief process when you're sitting in a room with a bunch of world champion canopy pilots, right? Like we know what we're doing. We've got 15 or 20 years experience each person, but now we're like, all right, who does this better than us? Who's at a higher risk than us? Let's learn from their team example of how to better our team process. It's so true. It's so true. And I was reflecting on that, actually that specific dynamic uh, before this session, because a lot of my team experience, it definitely was, I was learning it in the early part of my career. So a young person inside and immersed in the process, obviously still immersed in the process in many ways. But then I had a section of my career where I served as a player coach for a, a handful, a lot of, a lot of years where I was the clear chosen leader that facilitated a team dynamic, that facilitated this exact process that you described that I learned from Arizona Airspeed and the coaches that I got in four-way. Yeah, Jay's giving a thumbs up for sure, right? So I learned it that way and I immersed myself in it. And then I was in this role of leading teams, but with a very clear hierarchical distinction in leadership, AKA I was hired as the player coach. I'm way more experienced than everyone else. Of course, I'm the leader and it's it's my job to facilitate communication and process, right? Not that I wasn't also a part of the team, a member, of course I was. But my point is now it's interesting. I'm a part of a, a couple of different projects now that are exactly what you described, where it's now I'm in a leadership role 
with people that I would absolutely consider my peers that I highly, highly respect. And so that dynamic is is quite different for the team for the team and engaging a team and being like, cool, okay. What because like I find myself going, that imposter syndrome wants to come in in terms of being on a team and being in a leadership role with people who are badasses. And I love how you are inviting us to think back to its facilitating of this process. And we believe in this process and this structure, not in such a way that we can't be flexible and and grow and evolve as a group, of course we can, but more from the perspective of, it's not about me. You know what I mean? It's not about the person as the in the leadership role per se. It's about the team. It's you know what I mean? For me, I've never resonated with I'm look at me. I'm I've always resonated with we're a team. That's how I approach life coaching. You mentioned relationships. It's how I pr- approach relationships. It's how I so I'm basically more sharing this because now that I'm in a new elevated experience on my side, I can see my stuff wanting to come up. You know, just like we said earlier, I'm like, oh, there it is again. There it is. Got it. Cool. Yeah. yeah. And so it's just, it's great. I mean, it's great. And I am sharing this because I feel like I just want people to know that it's always something we're working to, I don't know, just not allow into our ways of being with our team, that rather... Uh, watch for our stuff. Know it's going to come up when you're feeling pressed and stressed and, uh, you know, championed even to grow in a positive way. That pressure can push us to, you know, need to really be more intentional about how we engage in the debrief process, how we engage in communication, and just revisit intentionally our values and what we're doing there. You know, I've been saying a lot recently, meaningful relationships, meaningful work. Those two things are super, because I feel like I've done a lot of work on the skills, on the actionables around affecting this stuff. And so if my if fear starts to creep in, I can go back to that. Meaningful relationships, meaningful work. Okay, cool. What does that look like actionably in this conversation? What does that look like actionably in this chosen action, chosen next action? What does that look like in chosen next accountability? What does that look like X, Y, Z, A, B, C? Does that make sense? Absolutely. For sure. I want to tell a story. Yeah, please. Um, And and I'm just going to indulge in this because, I mean, life goes by so fast and we, you know, we only get so many opportunities to share the things that have impacted us in a positive way. And so... I'm going to share this one because it really had a great effect on me as a junior jumper, as a, so a young person, doesn't matter if you're jumping or if you're in any field of work or whatever you're in. And, and I had similar experiences in the working environments, not, not just in the skydiving environment, but this is one of my favorites. It was uh, 1995 and I was at the Canadian Skydiving Nationals and I had gone there with my friend Chris Medved and he was my jump buddy at the time you know like my bro that we jumped with all the time and I would guess we both had around 200 jumps or so maybe at the time would be about one year in the sport and really charging after it and we'd gone to the Nationals without the intention to compete we just went for the boogie you know just to be there 
and just to observe. And because we were both young athletic guys that really liked to challenge ourselves and see people doing things that were challenging. So we went to the nationals, we got there. And before we knew it, we were invited to make a pickup team. And the two guys that um, we got invited with was John McDonald and Robert Stanley, Rob Stanley. And we threw this team together and I think we called it black and blue was the name. And because <laughs> we were beating each other up, right? <laughs> we were just crashing into nice. each other. But those guys, um, Rob and, and John, I mean, they both had a thousand or 1500 jumps or 2000 jumps. And Chris and I had a 100, 200 jumps. We were the total rookies, you know, but we're the avid go-getter young kids that wanted to go. And these guys had more experience and they could see our, you know, uh, enthusiasm and we left that boogie having done an eight-way jump you know like turning an 8.8 way at like 200 jumps you know getting to go on a really cool jump with these guys and getting to compete in the competition and having just such an, an awesome experience as an up-and-comer because of that leadership from some slightly more experienced people and that turned into lifelong friendships it turned into opportunities to to lean on each other and jump together uh, a year later we were at a a, a world freefall convention and we ended up doing a, a night four-way jump on next to a huge thunderstorm that you know you would never do this unless you had the experience together so i just wanted to reflect on that one because it's one of my most early highly impactful like it set the road in place for me you know as a 21 22 year old kid getting getting my feet wet that that experience it set a, a course in motion and it led to so many other things like you know getting to train side by side with airspeed you know yeah. getting to have best friends that are you know world champions and having these role models around us like you know that, that we admire so much and that we appreciate so much in our lives and so I think my big point for wanting to share that is whichever side of the story you're on, if you're the beginner and you're just getting started, it's don't be afraid to ask, hey, you want to do a pickup team to whoever's next to you, that yeah. whoever you admire, because that team that got put together, that was that took the guts of just asking, of just yeah. doing it, you know, and it was such a huge value in the end. And if you're the upper, more experienced person and somebody asks you and says, hey, I want to do a team, they say, hell yeah, you know, <laughs> have, have some fun, you know? Yeah. Sigh's very into it again, yeah. <laughs> the docs. Oh gosh, I, uh, if I, there's so many stories that I could share about my team experiences. And one that sticks out to me is, relative to one of the most challenging team experiences I've ever had. And it was the second VFS team that I ever did. So VFS means vertical formation skydiving. So I sent, spent a bunch of years doing belly flying, formation skydiving, four-way and eight-way, and all the competitive disciplines in the flat orientation. And then the vertical four-way came on the scene, and I wanted to be a part of that. And I basically started fresh and anew. And we got to the point of of being able to actually <laughs> build stuff. And it was cool. But my point in bringing this up is I, for the first years of my competitive 
experience and my team experience. I don't think I was, I don't recall this. I think I was very much, I was so, so focused on the goal, the external goal, that that luckily allowed me to and underpinned my commitment to the personal relationship processes that went with that. But I don't think I was that conscious of the real and true opportunity of building relationships and connections and friendships until later, because you don't earn that until later, until you've gone through it. So I bring up the second team because, and I've brought up Jonathan Tegel before, He was one of my very best friends. He's passed away in a different situation, but he and I lived together for six years and we were best, best friends. He was on a parachute team with Jay as well. And we did separate things in the sport. So, but we loved each other. We were very, very, very close. And anyway, one of our dreams was like we would we wanted to be on a team together. And so the VFS, the vertical formation skydiving, became that opportunity. And so we ended up being and doing this team together. <laughs> oh, I laugh because because it really was the most well, not the most, but probably one of the most challenging team experiences I had because of a few things. One the way that Jonathan approaches goals and his training and everything, he is even more intense than I was and very much committed to process and the structure and stuff like that. So the part of me that was, was, it was just like the part of me that didn't want to be pushed harder than I wanted to be pushed. That part of me was challenged being on a team with him. Now, the m- one of my other teammates was Adam Tippy, who I love, absolutely love. He's one of my very best friends to this day. Anyway, part of our history, ironically, today is Adam's birthday. <laughs> I'll call him actually after this. Yeah, I bring him up because... He and I have history. We dated and we had broken up before being on this team. And I, he will laugh at this, but that is a very challenging team dynamic to have. And so he and I were consistently butting heads, like lots of butting heads in our team environment. And one time we landed and I was just, he was being negative and I was pissed and I fucking landed and I screamed in his face and I was like, you're missing it like this. Like I went fucking nuts on him. (laughs) And I can say this now because we have clearly grown and worked through this. And there's plenty of times when he challenged me in return. So it wasn't just me challenging him. But anyway, because we had such a challenging team dynamic with that, And because I loved Jonathan so much as my friend, I recall and I had this experience of fear that he and I would somehow lose our friendship because of the conflict that was inside of this team. And one night at our house, I just sort of broke down and cried and makes me want to cry thinking about it (laughs) because this was very moving to me that... 
excuse me, sorry. <laughs> it was very moving to me that I shared that I was afraid of losing him. <sighs> Thank you for listening. Um, and what he said made it very clear to me that it, it, that it wasn't really about the team or the skydiving or anything like that. He was like, what? He's like, that like none of that matters. He's like, that doesn't matter. He's like this, this is what matters. And I never really had an experience like that before that. And I'm so thankful for that because obviously because I love him so much, but also because it really helped me get that for for the future that no matter what these goals that we have in our teams yeah they matter those goals matter we wouldn't choose them if they didn't matter to us but in for me it really is about the people and the relationships and the things and the connections that we make with one another and how we support and encourage one another to grow and evolve in the ways that we want to, whether that's on a team together or whether that's diverging our life paths. Thank you guys very much for listening to me through that. It's such a powerful experience for me. And it's, it's wonderful for me to think of him and reflect on him. So I appreciate the space to do that. <laughs> oh. You're beautiful. Oh, thank you, Jay. Yeah. For Thank sure. You. You, you know, I hear you um, speaking about Jonathan and just for our listenership, um, he and I were on the PD factory team together from 2005 till about 2012 when he passed on. And um, that, I mean, that team environment for, for everybody who's been on that team, it's just such a huge life changing experience. Yeah, because you're not the same person coming out of the other side of it that you were going that you are going into it. And yeah. um, he and I actually had a very, very challenging <laughs> relationship. Yeah. So for for our listeners who don't know, and just to tell the story, because I mean, this is all but I miss um, before I even go into it. I mean, I'm seeing our clock and I'm like, oh, yeah, we got about 10 more minutes or so. We haven't touched on half the things. Oh, I know. We haven't even, like, there's so much more. I'm like, we might need to do a second episode. There's <laughs> yeah, I know. so much about this to talk about. But anyway. <laughs> so true. Um, so the, what are the positives, the negatives? Like, how do different things play out, right? Well, the, we had this really unique experience of being on a team where everybody had the same goal, but it, the same goal is to beat each other. <laughs> So it's a crazy. really weird team, okay? <laughs> like, you're like, okay, we're all part of a team, but I, I it's going to be one winner. <laughs> There's right. only going to be one winner on this team. So you put a bunch of alpha males in a room together and let them fight it out and see who's going to be the winner. And for that period of time from like 2005 to 2012, the two best canopy pilots in the world were Jonathan and I, you know? And we were just head to head all the time of like how good how good are you gonna do because i'm gonna do my best i'm gonna watch you do your best and then i'm gonna do better than you you know and so it was this brotherly 
it's a brother thing, right? Like it's a thing where you, you love to hate each other and you just watch each other go and be like, okay, whoever goes first is going to give everything that they have. And then you're going to see how well they did. And you go, okay, I'm now I have to do better than you. And <laughs> there we, I mean, we've talked about this openly in our team debriefs, uh, our environments are like just reviewing the benefits of the situation. Like the reason why both of us excelled in our performances and put down dozens each of world records and world championships and and just national champion like up one upping each other all the time was because of each other yeah right we yep. wouldn't have done it on our own we yep. our own ego would have gone man and like plateaued at how much energy had to be put in in order to how high how high did we want to raise the bar essentially yep. you know and that very animalistic behavior of uh, one-upping each other. I can just, I think of the two rams on the mountainside, like fighting for seniority or in hierarchy in their, in their animal kingdom kind of thing. It's a very real thing, you know? Yeah. And in this sense, it was, it was a positive and a negative where it was a positive that it pushed us to perform in to a realm that had never been performed in before quite literally pushing performance envelope further and further and further and further like jump after jump after jump just doing farther faster higher longer than yep. had ever been done in history and at the same time as it pushed us um physically and um with our performances it pushed us to the ground with our emotional connected experience like it tore us apart yeah right it ripped us to pieces and it ended up being a really tough situation where we both could never let go of this constant one-upmanship and i look back at this period in my life and it was one of the most troubling times that i've ever been through like i really got to the point where i like had to walk away and just let it all lay down and just remove myself from this situation because I couldn't continue this battle of one-upmanship, Yeah, you know, and because it, it hurt here, it hurt yeah. in the heart too much. It's like, is yep. you put all your passion in and all your love in and it, and it turns it into a negative somehow. Yep. Yeah. So there's this delicate, delicate interplay between pushing each other up, like forcing each other to do better performances and lifting each other up and tearing each other down. hundred percent. Yeah, oh. for sure. No doubt. And I, I love that you brought up the evolution of what you want to do. Cause like, that's something, you know, yeah, we're running out of time, but like to just briefly touch on that, it became when I first started competing and being on teams, I was like, yeah, I want to be a world champion. Cause I was a young person and I was into this particular discipline and I, I thought just, I just thought that was the path. You know, I was young, my, I, it was a young, my mind was young enough that I didn't know, didn't even know myself very well at all, you know? So I, of course I wouldn't have access to other potential paths, but anyway, 
through my experiences, it became very clear to me after certain like a certain number of years competing where I was like, oh, yeah, no, I actually don't give a crap about being a world champion. I could give two shits about that. What I do care about, though, is being able to and this is how I used to say it and it connects to something a bit more deeply. But how what I used to say and I still say this is I I don't care about being a world champion. I want the skills to be able to be on whatever jumps with my friends. So if that's a hundred way head down, I want those skills. If that's doing a badass four way belly, I want those skills. If it's doing a sit train on a in a boogie and you know what I mean? Like I want those skills. So for me, it, it very much became clear to me that it was about the people that it was about those connections that I was making. And it wasn't just because of the Jonathan story that I shared. That's more connected to my feeling of safety inside of the team structure and team environment. But wider, more widely outside of my chosen team goals, my individual expressed goals around why I would want to join a team in the skydiving environment, that changed and evolved as I learned about myself. And so I invite people as you learn about yourselves, as you have these experiences, that you can change your direction. You can change your mind about where you are taking yourself and what you are out to achieve. And so once I really had that goal of, I just want to be able to jump with my friends, (laughs) it sounds so simple. But that's where my that's why my skydiving career went the direction it did in terms of building skills, in terms of leadership and inclusion and coaching young jumpers and stuff like that. It was that I wanted other people to be able to have the skills to jump with their friends too and to understand that so much fun is accessible when we have a certain level of skill. Right? If we don't have a certain level of skill, we can't participate in this, this, or this safely in the sport of skydiving, that is. And so I was like, I wanted to share that with people. And so that's what I did in a lot of, in a lot of different ways that I now still engage in the sport. So these are all metaphors, right, for any other uh, type of team in our life. And I'm sitting here listening to your share and I'm relating to the fact that just yesterday I'm flipping through Facebook and I'm thinking about looking for a teammate. I'm looking for a teammate to climb mountains with, to do expeditions with. I'm like, who's going to be the best person to align myself with or people to align myself with to go after some of these new objectives? And what i and that's one example the other example is the working environment the working space and i think about this team that we that you and i have together and i think about some of the other working teams that i have that i've created for myself and how i have others that i still wish to create like i really want to work with that person or i really want to work on this project and that means i'm going to need people who are good at a b and c and who also have similar goals with communication and critical debrief and wanting to be really good at working in teams so that we can be really good at achieving our goals. So whether it's about picking the right people to get to a mountaintop mountaintop that also have the skills to do 
trekking and backpacking and rock climbing and mountaineering and wingsuit flying and all like all the skills that are necessary for the whole grand adventure that also want to be good at being on a team. Yeah. Or whether it's about lining up with people who have the technical skills to put together a project that involves building this device and working in these spaces and building this marketing and doing all this other stuff. It's it's all the same thing. And I'm going to take it right back around to the beginning again, where for me, mostly what I'm looking to do in my own experience, and, and I share this to get you thinking about what it is that you're trying to do in your experience as the listener. For me, I want to put myself next to people that are a little better than me or a lot better than me at what I'm doing so that I can learn through our working together about how to do a better job of what I'm wanting to do and so that that can switch around. So then I can be just like you said, then I can become the player coach and I can teach others the same thing and we can all share these experiences together. And it's just this big reciprocal cycle of, of learning and sharing and learning and sharing. Yeah, and it's true. And just to, because I didn't address this, but I wanna address it directly because the share about having sort of a more toxic team, teammate experience that was one you needed to separate from I've had that experience too, big time with with other people. And so I just wanna quickly highlight that those experiences are just as valuable because they clarify for us what matters to us, what environments we wanna be in. Yeah, thumbs fucking up because it's, it's so, if we had to choose quote unquote perfectly that we're, oh, this person who has the technical skills or this person who is better than me, but then become, you know what I mean? Like we don't know how that team dynamic is gonna go. And so if we do find ourselves in an environment that feels toxic or doesn't work, if we make efforts to fix that and work through the team process and improve it and that doesn't happen, that is normal. I just want to validate that. That is a normal part of being willing to have experiences with other people. So Jay's had it. I've had it. I mean, I'm sure lots of people listening have had it. So just know that that's a potentiality and it's not an evident, not evidence of failing as a as a teammate or whatever. It's more just like, cool, this is part of my learning process. And if I take it to the you know, spiritual realm, which I always do, which is everything is for us. You know, I learned so much from those toxic experiences that I had. I would never trade them, even though there's a part of me, even when I say that, I'm like, ugh, would I? Because they sucked so bad. <laughs> but I learned so much. So I just want to highlight that that's actually a really good thing in the learning process and the evolution process of being on a team. But yeah, anyway, to It's just, how we make our choices now, right? Like yeah. We make better choices because we didn't always make the best choices the first time around. Totally. You know? And that is the value in it. It's totally awesome to have this experience of going, okay, that sucked. I'm going to make a better choice the next yes. time. Yes, exactly right. Yeah. And it's funny that you talk about the looking for a teammate. I feel like I've been looking for a, because I've said many times on the podcast how I'm doing West Coast Swing Dancing. You all know that. I... And I sort of have fizzled out on it because 
I'm like, there's the part of me that got to a certain level of skill. And this happens in skydiving all the time as well. You get to a certain level of skill. And then if you don't have a goal or some kind of team or some kind of something that elevates your inclusion in the community or elevates your skill level or has a goal that's further down the road, it's very easy to just be like, this isn't that interesting anymore. And that's sort of where I'm at. So I've been sort of looking for a dance teammate as well. And so it's partly connected to, okay, I'm going to work hard. I'm going to make some big bank. And then I'm going to hire a quote unquote player coach to dance with me. And I'll dance with a pro. That's I'm not committed to that fully, but that's something I'm entertaining in terms of a future team experience for myself. And it does excite me, the idea of getting better at dancing. <laughs> That's the last week's episode. But anyway, I'm in, I'm in the same boat with choosing um, a physical health coach, finding a, a part, a teammate that is at an elevated level to myself to want to challenge my skills to be more engaged and bring me up. Same thing. I love Let's it. Let's wrap it up. Let's wrap it up. We're yeah, time long. to wrap up. Yeah, we could we could talk forever. And I told you there's forever. a whole other episode here. <laughs> I know. Yeah. I know. Well, yeah, guys. So per usual, trustthejourney.today. That's our website, all our social media handles. Thank you so much, as always, for being here, for being with us. Uh, drop us a line anytime. Any future topics you'd like us to cover. We're, again, entertaining guests. Any ideas you have for people you'd like us to maybe get into a conversation with, we, uh, yeah, invite you to let us know. We also invite you to join us in the Trust the Journey family group. This is a private group on Facebook where our membership engages in being avid listeners, avid supporters, avid and active participants in creating a safe space for us to share our achievements, our challenges, our struggles, our day-to-day, -day, our history, our what are our goals ahead and just having an awesome environment that's that the family is curating where it's okay to be you and nobody's going to shoot you down for being that way. And if you want to be part of this group, it's really simple. You can join us by becoming a Patreon supporter. So if you go to trustthejourney.today, our website, just scroll down and the bottom there's a big orange button. That button says donate here. You become a Patreon supporter. You help support our cause and fund a little bit of this project so that uh, we can keep doing it. And that gets us into the group. And there's so much love and support in there. I'm so proud of everybody involved in it and including myself, includes Melanie, includes <laughs> all of our participants. <sighs> Guys, thank you so much. We love you so much. As always, remember, keep laughing, keep loving, and keep trusting the journey. 